Well, good morning again. We have some special guests here, and I bet you've seen them already. Sam and Melody Kuka. We only get to see them every couple of years because they live on the other side of the world. But this morning, Sam, now, is our guest speaker. He's going to share what's on his heart with us. Sam. Thank you so much, Roger. Amen and amen. Good morning to you all. Wow, I found I sound like I have power up here. And, uh, uh, let's uh, before we before we start this morning. I'd like to uh, for those of you that haven't met with us or in a um, um, community group or cell group, whatever. We've got some. Uh, Bookmarks, if you'd like to, uh, they're back in the back. Are they back in the back, Melody? Yes, they are. They're back in the back. And uh, if you're a reader, uh, if you want to put this in your Bible as you spend time with God and something impresses upon your heart what you can pray for the kukas, we would love it. So, uh, because we know it's not our own ability. It's about God's empowerment in our lives, just like yours, on what God wants to accomplish. Uh, let's, let's lift our eyes, shall we, to the heavens. Father, thank you. Thank you that you have called us to be your children. Thank you that you have redeemed us. Thank you that you have shown us what you want from us. We're here this morning to meet with you, Lord. We're here this morning to be impacted by what you have for us, what you want for us. And Lord, if I need to get out of the way, pull me out of the way. May your word go forth into the hearts and minds of your children here. We love you, Lord, and we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> I, Melody and I uh, live in the country of Thailand, and it's different there. And one of the things that uh, we were fresh in the country, so about 10 or 11 years ago, we were uh, living, setting up life, learning the culture, learning how things work, and so I was riding my little 110cc scooter, kind of, if you can kind of imagine that like the little guys in the parades riding their little uh, things going around and around in circle, circle eights, you know, with the little Shriner hat on. That's kind of what I was looking like. It's not a great big machine in, in anyways, but all of a sudden I'm, I'm getting close to home. Maybe I'm about three miles from home. And all of a sudden there's traffic and I'm thinking, there shouldn't be traffic here. What's going Oh, and then I see it's just backed up for miles. And so I thought, okay, well, maybe there's an accident. Something's happened. <clears throat> so like most, I'm learning the culture, like most Thai people, I start weaving between the cars. I get up on the sidewalk. I'm moving around. I go down. And so I get up to the front of the line. And that's what you do in Thailand when you have a scooter. Uh, and I, I noticed that, oh, there's a policeman standing in the middle of our lane, or our two lanes, and, 
he looks over at me, the white guy, and gives me the, the sign. And uh, not, not something that I had to wonder about. But um, so I'm waiting. Other scooters are up here with me. And suddenly the police officer looks back at us and goes, and you know, I believe in signs and wonders, but he gave me a sign and I was wondering, what is going on here? And so I look around and all of a sudden I see all the other scooter drivers are getting off their scooters. And so I got off my scooter as well. And then the police officer looks up and he goes, And all of a sudden, I notice all the scooter drivers are taking off their helmets. And I thought, what in the world? And he looks at me. And so I, I follow suit, so I took off my helmet. And then I notice all of the other scooter drivers are, are standing up straight. And they've got the, the helmet under or it's on their bike. And all of a sudden, I see the, the officer snap to attention. Boom. And all of a sudden, this caravan of Mercedes-Benzes and uh, vans and all kinds just go whipping black. Police sirens and lights going flashing, flashing, flashing. Probably about 30 seconds or so of vehicles doing, you know, 50 miles an hour. That was a big entourage. And then all of a sudden, the cars are gone. I notice everybody's putting on their helmets. We get back on, and the police officer says, you may go. And I drove off wondering what in the world has just happened here. I, I found out later through the, the local news that it was the royal prince himself. The royal prince and his entourage had been going past where we were, and I was on a front row seat with the prince. He is now the king of Thailand. The king of Thailand. But I was so impressed by the Thai people. They had that respect for the king. They had that respect for the royal family. They understood the authority that that nation or that that office had I want to talk a little bit about our identity. What's our identity? As a believer in Jesus Christ, what is your identity? I look at the king of Thailand right now and I think, at some point his reign is over. But I look at our position as a child of God. Our position never ends. And so, I have a premise for this morning. That you will behave or act or conduct yourself in agreement with what you believe about yourself. The Lord's placed, me, placed this on my heart to share with you this morning. So, next slide. I am a child of the King of Kings. I am a child of the King of Kings. Can you say that this morning? 
Let's, if you believe that, I want you to say it with me together. Ready? Here we go. I'm a child of the King of Kings. This is not a, I'm a child of the King of Kings. This is not an embarrassing thing. This is authority. This is position. I, don't, I didn't really get it after living in Thailand now for 12 years. The royal family can go and do as it pleases. There, it's amazing what the authority is. But we're going to talk a little bit about your position, your identity, and also what your assignment is. So, in 1 John chapter 3, it says this, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. How many of you are getting excited that you are about to be like Jesus? You are about to be changed. No longer having this old body that's broken and disintegrating, I guess, is the only way I can, I can say it. How many of you are living your life knowing that this is where you will be in a matter of years? That should be exciting. That should fill us with joy, not with dread. We know where our home is as long as we know who our Father is. If you have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you have an eternal home with him. If you are here this morning and you don't have that relationship, if God has not come in and transformed your life, please don't leave this building without talking to somebody about that. This is life-changing. This is where we can walk with authority. We can walk with and in the grace and power of God. And it's a wonderful, it's wonderful to live there. It's wonderful to live in that, in the, in that way. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation. Now, contrary to popular belief back in the 1970s, we thought we were the chosen generation. Coca-Cola told us we were the chosen generation. And we could all sing the song that told us about our generation. Can you flash that, uh, uh, the, the first Peter back up there? 
You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Priesthood being what? Means that you can go right into the presence of God. You can go right into the presence of God, your Father, the Father who loves you. You're a holy nation, His own special people. I hope that thrills you. I hope that thrills your heart that you are a friend, not only a friend of God, but you are His child. It's not like going up to your boss and saying, uh, boss, I'd like a, a slight increase in the salary because, uh, you know, prices of this and that are going up and it's difficult. It's a lot different going to your father and asking your father for these things as opposed to asking your boss. We're in a love relationship with our father, with our heavenly father. We can go to him at any time knowing that he loves us. Knowing that he wants the best for us. Okay, let's, I'm going to move on to, so that's your position. I want you to make sure that that's clear. That we have that position that I am a child of the king of kings. But I am also a servant of of the Most High God. I've, I've had an opportunity once or twice never to meet an ambassador of the United States to either, to whatever country that I've, I've been in. But I have been able to see them as they walk along or as they're getting out of their car to go into, into whatever building they're going into. But usually there is a mass of people and unfriendly-looking people between me and that ambassador. Guys that have little Heidi Q things in there, and they have glasses, and they, they look like this. And, uh... It's a little intimidating to be coming up to there and have some guy look at you like... But if you are a servant of the Most High God... What does that mean? What does it mean to be a servant? Well, a servant. Next slide. When we come to when we come to Christ, we no longer are the most important person in the world to us. Christ is. Instead of living only for ourselves, we have a higher goal to live for Jesus as told by Billy Graham. I'm going to read that again. When we come to Christ, we're no longer the most important person in the world to us. I'm no longer the most important person to me. I'm not going to look at my wife when I say, she is not the most important person in the world to me. And she'll agree. But Christ is. Christ is the most important person. And instead of living only for ourselves, we have a higher goal, and that is to live for Jesus. Now, what does that look like? How do we look at that? Let's look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. 
And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We're going to talk a little bit this morning about where has God called you to go. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if, he, if God is your Heavenly Father, you have an assignment. And that assignment is to go. That might be at your school. Now, some of you are about to finish school. You have to find a new school, uh, whatever. But you have an assignment. If you believe that you are, have the Holy Spirit living in you, and I suspect that most, if not all of you, believe that the Holy Spirit lives in you because that's what the Bible says happens when we become a believer. God sends the Holy Spirit to dwell within us. And then that Holy Spirit gives you a gift. Do you know what your gift is? The Bible says, if you have the Holy Spirit, then he gives gifts to his children. He will give you a gift for the edification of the church or for evangelism out in the world. What is your gift? If you don't know, find out. Find out what your gift is and start using it. Start Stepping out, sometimes in, in youth groups they, they talk about Peter stepped out of the boat. Maybe this is time for you to start stepping out of your boat. To step out in faith. Because if you have that gift, if you are a child of God, if you're a servant of the Most High God, you will serve you will serve either the church or you will serve those people outside of the church. Non-believers. It's not a recommendation, ladies and gentlemen. It's a command. Go and make disciples of all nations. And when you go, there's also great blessing. I was having dinner last night, and uh, our hostess asked this question of us. I want you to tell us your name, where you were born, and what your first car was like. And I remember buying my 1973 Volkswagen Rabbit. What a great car. I was so proud of that thing. Ah, it was an amazing vehicle. As far as I know, it's a piece of scrap somewhere rotting and rusting somewhere. It didn't last. Nothing here on earth will last. But those things that you do for Christ, that will last. That will remain eternal. Stored up in heaven. 
1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, if anyone speaks, they should do it as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. And to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. You're a child of the King of Kings. You're a servant of the Most High God. One of the things when you grasp that, when you really hold on to that, that I'm a servant of the gospel, I'm a servant of the, of the Most High God, you will never be out of a job. You will never be out of a job. You will always have opportunity to serve other people. I'm going to tell a few tes testimonies right now of students of, that my wife and I, myself, have been able to... Well, one of the things that we do, we train people who believe in Jesus already with the skills of becoming an English language teacher so that they can go and be in communities that don't know the good news of Jesus Christ by teaching English. Because gone are the days where you go to a community and you just set up shop and people come by and say, what are you doing here? And you say, I'm learning how to live here. What do you do here? I, I'm here to be your friend. And as soon as that happens, people are like, oh, religion, don't want it. You need something that you can offer people. What do you do here? I'm an English teacher. <gasps> really? My children need English lessons. Can you teach them? Or, yeah, it's, a, it's an opportunity for ministry. I was going to tell you about uh, a young Nigerian couple. It, about two years ago or so, Melody and I were, were teaching, were doing our training in Nigeria. And there was a young married couple there. It was Victor and Onem. And dear godly people on fire for the Lord. And unfortunately, Onem had to stop the training after two weeks because she gave birth to her first child after two weeks. And we were like, okay, you can stop the training. That's all right. She gave birth to a beautiful little girl named Beulah. And I, I kept wondering, what are you going to do? What are you, Victor, what are you going to do with your family? What, what, what's the end goal of this training? And he said, oh, that's very easy. Even though we have a one-year-old or at that time, a six-month-old daughter, we are planning to leave the southern part of Nigeria, which is very Christian, by the way, very Christian in the southern parts of Nigeria. We're planning to go to the northern part of Nigeria. 
where the Muslim insurgents live. If you've heard the, the news about the Boko Haram, who kidnap young girls, 50 or 60 at a time, to give to their men so that the men have wives. We're planning to go up into the northern parts of Nigeria so that we can be a gospel witness to the people who, who have no chance to hear. And I'm like, wait a minute. You're taking your beautiful wife and your brand new daughter up there? He said, well, yes. We're servants of the Most High God. And this is where he's called us to. I thought, wow. Oh, me of little faith. Young lady named Tosin. Now this gets a little, little easier to swallow. A young lady named Tosin is teaching in a school somewhere in one of the states in Nigeria. And I've, I've asked her about what kinds of things happen at your school. She said, well, we're a Christian school. I said, oh, good. So you talk a lot about Jesus and whatnot. She said, not really. There's a lot of Christians who, or a lot of our teachers who say they're Christians, but if you look at their lives, you really can't tell the difference between uh, the normal people and the Christian people. They just... They, they, they blend in very, very well. They're kind of like undercover Christians. I said, so, what, what, so Tosin, what, what, what do you do? How do you... I, I know her. She's a lovely young lady with the love and delight of the Lord. And, I, and she said, well, I get the opportunity with my class, fourth graders, that when the teacher leaves the classroom... I'm able to tell Bible stories. Bible stories they have never heard before. And it's okay because it's a Christian school, but I don't think my, my teacher is actually a Christian. She's just been, but I'm able, and I've led a couple of my students to the Lord. It's being a fragrance of Christ wherever you are, giving off that fragrance being salt and light wherever you are. Some of you think, well, I'm just in, in, in Idaho, just in Boise, Napa, Eagle, Meridian. What can I do? How can I reach out? Well, if you're like Mary, Mary has Zoom classes with people especially one, one man she shared with me, who is in the country of Jordan. Now, big time differences. Now, I don't know. I know that for some of you who have gray hair or no hair, you don't sleep well anyways. Am I wrong? No. You're up in the... My mother-in-law, bless her heart, she's up in the middle of the night. Some... Ever thought about teaching to somebody who lives in a foreign country? If you wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning anyways, it's not hard to find opportunities where you can share your faith on a Zoom call, teaching English, or even just having conversations with people. 
Mary, Mary has told me that this man that she has uh, these classes with is very interested in, in, uh, the, in who Jesus is. Because one thing that most people don't realize is that if you are a good Muslim, you should be reading the Bible. It's one of the three holy books. You should be reading it. And so Mary's able to say, well, have you read the Bible? Do you know what the Bible says? And then she can go to the Quran and show him where in the Quran it says that you should be reading the Bible. And he's like, well, if the Quran says, okay, then I'll read the Bible, which we know is the true word of God. And so she's, he's not a believer yet, but he's on that way. He's interested because truth is truth. And all truth is God's truth. All truth is God's truth. All right. Uh, Dell. Dell. Young woman from the Philippines who spent many, many years learning to speak Mandarin. Spent many years in the the mountainous areas of the big Mandarin-speaking uh, nation of the world, and then was kicked out because she wasn't needed anymore. There's just I, nobody really knows exactly why she was asked to leave, but the the police came to her door one day and said we don't think that your services in our country are needed anymore. You have 48 hours in which to leave. And she's like, well, who do, who do I talk to? Who, who do I, who do I, who's an authority here that I can talk to? And uh, the officer said, nobody. You have 47 hours and 59 minutes to leave now. And so she packed up and she left where she had a vibrant ministry going on. I talked to Dell about that. I said, how was that? That was tough. It must have been really tough. And she said, I miss my friends. I miss the ministry that I had there. But I know that God can use governments to change my history. They can, he, can, he is sovereign enough that I didn't have to worry about what was going to happen to me because I knew he was with me. I believe, I have faith, that he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. I'm, I'm standing on that promise. Now, she's in Thailand. And would you believe that in Thailand, which is about 100 miles from the southern border of the big Mandarin-speaking country, there are thousands and thousands of Chinese students studying in Thailand where she can now speak openly about the gospel of Jesus Christ in Mandarin to these Chinese students without the fear of the police coming to her door. Hmm. It seems like a coincidence to me if you don't believe in the sovereign God. And which 
Dell does. Let me talk a little bit about Henry, a man from Myanmar. Henry loves the Lord. He and his wife were in the Philippines taking uh, theological training at a seminary, got his, his, uh, his master's of theology there, and went back to Myanmar. He took my training there using English as an outreach to get people to come into his church, invite people to learn English, come here, and while they're there, then they, they share the gospel. Well, I don't know if you have heard recently, but the country of Myanmar right now is a disaster. It's in civil war, where they have 25 of the states in the northern part of the country fighting against the ethnic Burmese people. Myanmar used to be called Burma. It's just, it's civil war going on there. And, uh, but... I've asked Henry, I had, Henry, how do you want us to pray? How do you want us to pray for you? And he said, let's not pray for safety, although if you want to, you can. But pray that the people's hearts will be open to hear the good news. Pray that the people's hearts will be open to hear the good news about Jesus because Myanmar is a stoutly Buddhist country. I mean, very, almost militaristically Buddhist in their thinking. So, okay, so Henry, we'll, we'll pray in this direction. And we have been praying. And about three or four months ago, I got a, an email saying, these, here's the picture. Here, here are, these are 10 baptismal candidates. Ten people that have chosen to make a public response to the gospel and accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And we all met at an orphanage where they had a big tub where they did the baptism and they thought this would be a safe enough place in order to do this. Because they... It, they realized if this was a Christian thing that was happening or people in the community, that they could be physically uh, attacked at that time. But they were willing to make a stance for their, for their love of Jesus and because of what he has done for them. I am a little, I am saddened to say that uh, of that group of 10, there are only nine remaining. One young lady, age of 14, got appendicitis. And it happened somewhere around 10, 11 o'clock at night. And I said, well, did they get her to the hospital? And they said, no, because they, know, they knew if they left their home after dark because of the military curfew, she would have been shot on sight. No questions. Just shot. And so she spent the night at home, and by the morning, the appendicitis had taken her life. And it devastated the family. It devastated the mother, except the mother had been one of those ten that had been baptized. She said, I know where my daughter, Maywa is. She is with my Jesus. 
she doesn't have any more pain, no more suffering, no more fear of going out and being beaten or abused by the military guards or military soldiers. She's free. Uh, our pastor's name is Jonathan Vickers. And he's a man of faith. And Jonathan Vickers says, who we are in Christ should make us walk in great confidence. I'm a child of the King of Kings. But how Christ made it possible should make us walk in great humility. You all know, it took the death of God's Son to get us to where we are, our position, a child of the King of Kings. To get us to where our, our identity being we are servants of the Most High God. It took the death of his son. And I, I, you know, I'm kind of preaching to the choir, and you do sound like a choir when you sing, by the way. It's, it's quite wonderful to be here. But what's our assignment now? What does the Bible say is our assignment? Our assignment is to pick up our cross to pick up our cross this is not a really popular message to give anywhere but to pick up your cross and follow Christ for many months I would I, it, I just if you want to try this you know, I, I think you will be blessed like I was. I would wake up first thing in the morning, and I, and I started training myself. I've fallen out of the habit a little bit. But I would wake up, and I would say to myself, I'm a child of the King of Kings. I am a servant of the Most High God. And that identity... Help me focus for the day. It can help you focus for the day as well. You are a child of the King of Kings. You are a servant of the Most High God. But I've realized I've got to go another step and say, and I am picking up my cross to follow Jesus. I'm picking up my cross. Now, First Peter chapter 4, verse 12 says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice, insomuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you will be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. 
Can I hear an amen? It's not the first thought that normally comes out of our minds, is it? Or out of our mouths. Ooh, I get to be insulted for the name of Jesus. No, it's, it's not. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Now here's something that I've no, and I'll, I'll, be, I'll be perfectly honest with you. We do not live in a grass hut in Thailand. We live in a very nice two-story house. We have air conditioning, which when it's 105 degrees at 3 o'clock in the morning, it's needed. And we use it. I've got a scooter that I can get through traffic with so that I don't wonder why God hasn't allowed us to fly over the traffic. We live a fairly comfortable life. We eat well. We have good friends. But we've come to the point where we have to realize that those things don't matter in life. Those things don't matter in the eternal sense. Those things, I, a good friend of mine had been, uh, our friend of mine was down in, in Southern California, down by whatever big marina with these massive yachts and, and big multi-million dollar boats and whatnot. And his friend looked at him and said, so what do you think about all these boats? What do you think about this yacht and that yacht? And look, there's even a helicopter, a small helicopter on that one. And his, my friend looked at his friend and said, it's going to burn. It's going to burn. Being persecuted is a good thing. Being persecuted is a good thing. 2 Timothy 2, 11 and 12 says, Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. Now, I'm, I'm high school students, seniors graduating, those who are middle school and elementary school and even younger, I'm sorry, but you have been robbed. You have been robbed of the ability to break an arm on a playground. You have been robbed of the ability to bang your head on something hard at school or playing with friends. You've been robbed of the ability to scrape your knees as you ride a bike or a, or a skateboard or longboard or whatever it is because you have padding everywhere. There's something, and I, I, don't, I don't want to say let's try to kill ourselves. 
But there's something about pain avoidance of all kinds. Of being so safe. Oh, well, we couldn't do that. Somebody might get hurt. Or, oh, we couldn't say that. Somebody might be offended. Or we can't do that because, 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 and so we kind of hole up in our own little selves. Or we hole up in our church where it's safe. And we avoid the persecution. We avoid letting others know about Jesus. We avoid having people look down at us because of our beliefs in who God is. Brothers and sisters, that's not what we're called to do. We are called to be salt and light and the fragrance of God in this world. Because if we don't do it, are the atheists going to do it? No. Because they don't know. They don't have that relationship. They are not children of the King of Kings. They are not servants of the Most High God. They don't pick up their cross and serve others. This sounds like gloom and doom. It's not. There is amazing blessing as a child of God, as a servant of the Most High God. There's amazing blessings. Some of them are even financial, but not a lot. But when you see somebody come to know who God is, to know who Christ is, there's, almost, there's nothing like it. For me, that's the one thing that I've, I've realized over the years that'll make me cry. When I hear that somebody has been born again, has a new life for eternity. All of us, according to Matthew chapter 25, will stand before God. What will he say to us? Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well, yeah, well, it's, yeah. It's almost undescribable. But until that point, until that point, and some days, this is my life, many days, this is my life. I grab on to Hebrews 13, verse 5, that says, Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you.
And that's where faith comes in. Let's pray, shall we? God, you are so good. You have called us to this ministry. You have called us to be salt and light in this world. Here in Idaho, here in the United States, North America, around the world. You have called us to be your people. To be your children. And I pray that all of us will go out from this place in worship of who you are, willing to stand before others and proclaim your life-changing gospel to them in love and in truth and in patience. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.